We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> you talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Howdy all, and welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. It's been a while, and uh, you are hearing a different voice. This is the voice of Jack Manuel, and I am joined by the incomparable Nick Faye. How are we, Nick? I'm great, Jack. I'm happy to talk to you. Seeing all these Aussies in the playoffs balling out, I got to talk to my main man, Jack. Switching up today, letting Jack host and spicing up the show. Yeah, so I thought uh, Nick and I got into slid into each other's DMs, as we like to do, and I thought... <laughs> We'd talk uh, D-Lo. We'd get a bit of an in-depth deep dive on the future of our budding franchise star, D'Angelo Russell, how his season's been, what his future is. Uh, is he a possible all-star? What is his ceiling? Um, so, Nick, start us off. What was, if you're grading D'Angelo Russell this season for me out of A, B, C, D, what are you going to give him? I mean, it's hard, obviously, with his injuries, but I trust your judgment more than anyone. I'm going to go, I'm going to be hard on him because I expect a lot and I think the talent is there and there's some issues, but I'm going to give him a solid B. And yep. I think consistency is a problem from him, you know, aggression at times, losing the mental, mental game, kind of getting pushed out sometimes by, you know, weaker defenders or weaker players. I think D'Lo definitely could step up a little more. Like you mentioned, I think he missed 32 games this season. He still averaged 15 points a game, almost four rebounds, five assists. The shooting percentages are what are a little bit scary, around 40% from the field, 32% from three. Not great numbers, but the flashes were there. You know, we saw the flashes of greatness, not only offensively scoring, you know, getting hot from three, getting in the lane, the layup packages, you know, but also the passing. I think the passing is something I was very excited with when they made the trade and I felt was underrated. And late in the season, we saw some of the elite passing that D'Angelo has that, you know, not many players in the NBA have that type of skill set that he has right now at 6'5", playing point guard and doing the things he can do just about consistency is the main issue for D'Lo yeah consistency certainly is a thing and I mean lots of people like to have comparisons when it comes to a lot of different players but you mentioned his overall package in terms of his body and in terms of his skill set you know his passing and his height and his athleticism you know he's lacks a little bit of athleticism in terms of his his speed but his craftiness and his overall strength you look at his body you know, obviously everyone says, and I think Damari Carroll mentioned the fact that, you know, everyone's going to be heading into the weight room, him, Karras and such, but he's got a good body and a good frame to sort of build with. 
and you know that that size that he has and his vision. You know, some of his no look passes, and he's really sort of. It's almost like he slows the game down with his passes when he he, he whether it's a bullet pass or whether it's like a bounce pass. It's almost like the game is in slow motion. It might be a twenty four second clock, but it feels like a a high uh, a college like thirty five second clock with him. Do you think that's the the point of of emphasis him going into next season, keeping down those turnovers and you know letting the scoring come to him because we know he's an efficient scorer, or is it his perimeter shooting getting to the line, or is it a com- combination of those things? I think it's a combination. I think at times he kind of determines what he's going to do before he actually does it, where he needs to react a little bit more. I also agree. I think that he should play a little bit more as a point guard. You know, if the team needs scoring or they're in a drought, you know, go for it. Take on the one-on-one, hit that little mid-range fadeaway that you, you know, have done so well all season. But also get the guys involved. Set up the offense. Sometimes, you know, one simple pass, it might not lead to a bucket, but it'll take somebody out of position and set the next guy up. And I think that's something where D'Angelo kind of learned, like, all right, if I do this, I'm going to help my teammate. And it might not directly allow him to score, but, hey, I might pass it to Karras and it might allow Rondé to score. Yeah, those secondary assists certainly are a thing that I, I, I hope he's tracking. Where the number of, of three turnovers per game is obviously not ideal for a guy like D'Lo. Now, obviously, this is only really the second year that he's been running a team. Um, I mean, if you want to count in, in LA, a couple of those years, probably not. But where do you see that number? Where do you see the ideal number for a guy like D'Angelo Russell? Obviously, you know, the high turnover rates aren't necessarily a thing because you look at James Harden, LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, they have huge high turnover numbers because of their usage. Obviously, D'Lo has a high usage as well. But do you think that that number three needs to come down? Um, it's tough to say. I need to see him in a full row. I don't think three is terrible if he's playing, you know, 30-plus minutes. Like, this year he played under 30 minutes, so I think three is probably a little bit much. He really only played 25 a game, but those numbers are kind of misleading because of returning from injury. He had some games where he really didn't play much. I think three is okay if he's playing, you know, 36 and he's averaging like seven or eight assists. You know, a comparison, I want to throw a comparison out there. I'd like to see his game, and I'm not saying, you know, he's going to be an MVP-type player, but I think a James Harden-CJ McCollum kind of combo, I mentioned that to you before, I think, you know, the lack of explosion is something he can work on. I think going to the gym and lifting weights not only is going to make him stronger, but people forget, like, you know, if you lift weights, you actually do get faster and you can jump higher. It's a real thing. It's not like, you know, you're set at this one speed, this one vertical. You can improve on that. Ask Jeremy Lin about that. And I think, you know, you said the free throws. I think free throw-wise, he needs to get in the lane. His pump fakes are amazing. His fake game is elite. Like, he, his guy's jumping all over the place, and he's not even the most amazing scorer. And the fact that he gets guys in the air, he needs to get more free throws. And that can be the way that people hate, like, James Harden. Like, I don't really care, and I don't think what James Harden does is bad. People complain about it all day. But what he does is get free throws, slows down the game, allows his team to get back on defense and gets easy buckets. You know, if you're having a bad game, knock down six free throws, you're feeling good. You're seeing the ball go through the basket. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned CJ McCollum, one of the best pull-up jumpers in the NBA. Um, D'Lo certainly has that. And one thing that CJ probably isn't taking is as much these days is those long twos. And he's, he's three-point range as well as I that mid-range. Yeah, and they're the most inefficient shot in today's NBA. Um, I mean, LeBron took a million of them against the Raptors, but he was literally experimenting on the fly last night. But his per 36 numbers are really interesting that I like. 28, 21.8 points, 7.3 assists, 5.6 rebounds, all career highs. Now, if those were per 34 numbers, that would be perfect for me because I think that's the range that Coach Kenny's probably going to play him when he's at his best, when he's at his peak. 34, 35 minutes. Um, I don't see him playing a, a huge amount of minutes, especially when we have such a deep point guard rotation. 
in, in saying that, Nick, obviously, is that going to lessen the impact of Dealer, or do you think that you know he's number one in this sort of point guard pecking order that we now have? I think if he wants to prove something to Kenny, he comes into camp in amazing shape. He grinds all summer long. He comes in an elite conditioning, and he can play higher minutes. If you're playing great, Kenny's not going to take you out. And that means if you're hustling on both ends, people will be like, well, you know, he took D'Angelo out when he knocked down a ton of threes. Yeah, but was D'Angelo putting in great effort defensively? I don't know. And that was a big issue for him this season. Some of the hustle plays I think he needs to step up on. We saw games where Rondé played 40-plus minutes, games where Joe Harris played 40 minutes. You know, there's games. Damari Carroll's another guy. When you're playing great and you're playing both ends of the floor, Kenny will leave you in there, especially if you're conditioned to do it. He's a young guy only being 22. I think the gym is the spot where D'Lo needs to spend all summer. You know, he has the talent to be one of these elite players. And I, like you said, the per 36 numbers are there. Like if he put those numbers up all season, he definitely could squeeze into an all-star game where the Nets can have a decent season. So I think D'Angelo, he's shown us everything. It's just about putting in the work, getting the experience, kind of reacting to the NBA and growing up. You know, he's only 22, like I mentioned. You know, when you're 22, you don't really have an understanding of life or how things are going. He's lucky enough to have all this experience in the NBA. So I think this season he has a really good chance to put it all together. And do you see him being an all-star next season, the season after, Nick? Now, last time our Nets had an all-star was Joe Johnson four years ago. So it's been a while. Um, the Nets are obviously growing and, you know, rebuilding uh, a culture, let alone, you know, uh, an entire team and a winning culture for, for that matter. When do you see D'Lo or Karis LeVert or Jared Allen, um, but D'Lo specifically being an all-star? I think there's a possibility he's an all-star this season. And that's not even just being biased. I think the potential is there. I'm not ready to guarantee it, but it could happen this season if he puts it together. I think for me, it's just the consistency. If he can do it on a regular basis, put in effort on both ends. I think defensively, yeah, we he doesn't have the elite athleticism or the foot speed, but he does have the size and the wingspan, which can allow him to kind of make up for some things. He's not a terrible off-ball defender in terms of helping his teammates out. It's a lot of focus and effort on defense. And I think if he puts in some energy there, makes a few hustle plays, gets rid of some of the turnovers, not the turnovers where he's trying to force a pass. I don't really mind those as much. It's more so just the stupid ones. You know, he has a you know a couple here or there where it's just like, come on, D'Angelo, you're better than that. Some of the bad shots, like we talked about a lot in the buzz this season, the pull-up threes, you know, you we don't need that. If you're hot, maybe you can do it, but the catch and shoot, you're a lot better. You know, take away some of those long-range shoes like you mentioned, Jack. Also, I did, you know, throw some, you know, he has some great layups this season, but he also missed a lot of layups, especially for somebody who does a great job of getting in the paint. And I mentioned this before, you know, Joe Johnson did a thing where he kind of went over the pick and roll and got the guy in his back hip. We saw D'Angelo do that a lot. James Harden does that a lot. And if you do that, you need to have a great teardrop. So I think if D'Lo works on his inside game, it would be huge for his, you know, overall efficiency. Yeah. And when talking, if you compare it to What do you like think him? though, Jack? What do you think all-star wise? Yeah, I think it's... I think it's going to be tricky next year when I think it's a possibility because Goran Dragic and Kyle Lowry are obviously heading towards the end of their careers. And those two guys have been sort of stalwarts in terms of all-star potential. I think Dragic was lucky to get in over Ben Simmons. Um, that's not biased. That's just facts. That's facts. Um, the, the fact that Goran Dragic is giving shade to him on Twitter is... I, I love it. It, it. It's what makes the NBA awesome. Goran Dragic already annoyed me in the playoffs in the first round when he, like, started flexing in front of Marco Bellinelli. Now he's trying to show, three to, show uh, throw shade at Ben Simmons. Like, come on, bro. Like, you're not even that great to be talking shit to somebody like Ben Simmons who's going to be an elite player in the NBA. 
I know, and it's. I mean, it's the fact that Ben Simmons probably should have made it is is is, is enough. Is saying enough in itself. Um, but the fact that he's in the East, I feel like gives him a chance. Like Kyle Lowry, um, who knows what could happen with the Raptors following this series with um with, with the Very Cavaliers. There, it, there's so many possibilities that could happen. Um, but I, I don't. I still think that he's got another year in him, another building year. I, I don't see health is probably going to be the number one thing for him. Um, I think he's got a lot of all the tools there, and I think that when we started the season, we started the season five and seven. D'Lo was, you know, in all these uh, crazy stats with like Demarcus Cousins, LeBron James, and stuff. Obviously, his usage was high, and his efficiency was was okay. So uh, I just see consistency, like you mentioned, is going to be the key to him winning that All Star nod. Um, and even then, um, you know. I feel like that there's a lot of young talent building as well in, in the NBA. So it's certainly getting deeper and the East is getting stronger, um, despite the fact that there are some aging stars as well. So I feel like probably the year after is probably going to be his year. Um, now, if, in saying that, he's still only 21, 22. And when we're comparing that to guys like James Harden, CJ McCollum, you know, his per, per 36 numbers compare perfectly. You know, he's, he's better in most of the categories. Um, so he's certainly got the potential. It's just whether... It all sort of forms together to in terms of health and consistency and winning. And in yeah, terms of, the Nets uh, winning is, I think, a big factor too. If they, you know, are in the playoff hunt, it'll be a lot easier for them to get in. If they're in the bottom of the East, you know, it's not really like they want to give somebody an all-star bid. And I think another thing that might help, I know it's not the same position, but it does help in terms of the reserve. Porzingis will not be making the all-star game because of injury. He probably is going to be out half the season. So that's another guy off the list. Yeah, I feel like yeah, you talk about the there was like three or four um, injuries in the East this year. They had like a, a completely different team, obviously, with the whole jumbled up LeBron and Steph Curry thing. But in terms of Eastern Conference representatives, there was like, you know, Drummond was a fill-in, Dragic was a fill-in, um, all these different fill-ins. And I feel like D'Lo is around, can be around that range, but I don't think he's, you know, on the range of like a Kyrie um, a sort of starter where he's just a, a walk-up. That, I feel like, will take him three or four years if he continues on this path and if, you know, the Nets continue on their path of winning and don't have any sort of, you know, missteps along the way. Um, the Nets need to be playing playoff basketball for D'Lo to be, you know, an absolute contender in terms of his individual play. Um, but at the same time, you know, you look at where the Pistons were, the Heat were. If the Nets are knocking on the door there, the Philly at that stage as well with Ben Simmons, if the Nets are knocking on the door there, then I, I think he's every chance. But... If I'm leaning towards, I'll probably go towards he's probably not going to make it. Yeah, it would, it'd be tough. There's a lot of variables going into it. I would say, like you said, the next season, I feel pretty confident that he should maybe get a reserve nod if he keeps, you know, improving and spends a lot of work with Kenny and the staff this summer. You know, getting a full off season with the Nets, I think is going to be really beneficial for him. And he mentioned it, you know, he wants to be better. He knows he needs to be better. And he has a better understanding of the system right now than he did when he first started and his teammates. You know, some of the best lineups he played with is, you know, guys he's never played with before, obviously. Alan Crabb, Joe Harris, Jared Allen. I think the fact Jared Allen's going to be better, it's just going to give him an amazing partner in the pick and roll where he strives. Yeah, you look at Clint Capella and James Harden. Uh, that tandem is probably the best in the NBA today. And the fact that Jared Allen's only going to improve as well. Um, you know, you look at where Clint Capella's come from. He shot up this year to be a most improved contender. It's probably second in that category to Victor Oladipo, who's got it sewed up. But, you know, Jared Allen is only going to improve. This is the basis, like, of all, all rookies is the basis of what you're going to see. 
you never generally see rookies get worse unless injuries befall on them. Unless you're so Michael Carter-Williams. Unless you're Michael <laughs> Carter-Williams. That's a fair call, actually. Um, but at the same time, what do you prefer, Nick? This is just obviously a, a preference. Do you prefer a triple-double D-Lo? Do you prefer, prefer scoring D-Lo? Or is Tri- it, a triple-double yeah. D-Lo every night. You know, I yeah. think running the show and being a leader, you know, I don't mind scoring D-Lo. The, the points aren't there. But the way the Nets offense runs, it's a lot of guys scoring different amounts on every, every night. You know, one night it might be Karras dropping 15. It might be Joe Harris dropping 20. Crab might drop 40 one game. Demari Carroll yeah. might drop 20. You know, there's just so many different guys. And I think the fact that he has the ability to make his teammates better, which is one of the most important things in all of sports, that he can do that and make his teammates better, I think that'll help the Nets more than if he's just out there dropping 30, which we know he can do. And I don't mind that once in a while or when it's needed or if you're hot. But I think the number one thing is making his teammates better. Definitely. His first 12 games, that 5-7 and seven start we were talking about, he was averaging 20.9 points, 5.7 assists, 4.7 rebounds per game. Those are the numbers across a whole season that they're all-star numbers. You know, I feel like that number, I'd like to see, I'd prefer to probably see that at like an 18 points and a 7 assists, similar to like, you know, probably what Ben Simmons is averaging right now. Obviously, Ben Simmons has a completely different frame, a completely different game. But D'Lo has the capacity in terms of impact on the box score to have that impact. So, you know, uh, and they were high school teammates, which is funny enough. <laughs> yeah, and he, I mean, he's if we're looking at his uh, his Instagram, if we're, we're taking a look at what he's been over doing over the last couple of months during the playoffs, he's been spending a lot of time with Devin Booker, which I think is kind of cool. It's kind of cool. Um, I mean, who knows what could happen in Phoenix? They've got a new coach and stuff. I'm sure Devin could be there for a while, but you know, there's. The Nets are building something kind of cool, and I feel like you know Devin Booker alongside D'Angelo Russell would be pretty sweet. And then there's the, I'm, I'm sure if you haven't followed D'Lo on Instagram as one of 2.4 million people, you got to do it. He's got a pretty cool, uh, a pretty cool page, awesome photos. Whoever's curating it, whether it's him or someone or one of his uh, social media team, but his most recent photo of him uh, looking at a goat. I mean, it's just oh yeah, yeah. you can't get better than that, but. He said himself um, that he doesn't know what his ceiling is. We've we've mentioned it. In terms of lineups, Nick, now who do you want to see like alongside him in the starting lineup? Now, Jeremy Lin's obviously going to be healthy going into the season, and they're they're probably our two best guards at their best. Spencer Dinwiddie uh, had a breakout season. Karis Levert had a breakout season. Um, do you see three point guard lineups similar to what's happening, or three guard lineups similar to what's happening in Toronto? and to a lesser extent in Portland. Um, give me your sort of analysis in that sort of sense. Well, Jack, I did a little research before we got on the show, and D'Lo's best five-man lineup from last season was himself, Joe Harris, Alan Crabb, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, and Jared Allen. So no other guards. His best two-man combo was him and Jared Allen. So I think the most important thing for D'Angelo is having a pick-and-roll partner. And I think yeah. we definitely agree D'Lo and Jared Allen are going to start going to next season. It's the number two spot, number three, and four, which I think is very interesting. And it's going to be tough depending on what happens in the offseason. They could get other guys. It feels like it's Rondé's spot to lose. And Damari being the vet, it feels like they'll probably start him. And I feel like D'Angelo will benefit the most from spacing and having somebody like Allen Crabb out there. Now, yeah. I think we could see the three-guard lineups, but some they're going to have to step up three-point shooting-wise. You know, two of those, two of the four guards, including, you know, D'Lo, Karis LeVert, Spencer Dewey, and Jer- Jeremy Lin, and we keep all four, two of them have to shoot over 37% from three. 
Like they need to be good from three for us to play those three man lineups, especially with the system that Kenny runs. Now, if they're doing that, it's very dangerous because now you have playmakers and three point shooters at three positions. And then you could even put out two guys that aren't even great offensively, you know, like a Jared Allen, who's not developed yet in a Ronde or who maybe somebody they signed in free agency and you're feeling pretty good. So if the three point shooting can improve from the guards, I have no problem seeing three guard lineups on a regular basis. Well, yeah, you look at what's going on in Toronto. Damari, uh, Demar Derozan uh, improved his three-point shooting. Kyle Lowry is one of the best three-point shooting guards. Fred Van Vliet's been a revelation from there. I feel like Jeremy Lin ha- is underrated from there. Um, Spencer did when he started well there, um, and I feel like he can only improve, hopefully. And Karis LeVert as well. Had um, talk about him early in the buzz, early in the season, the fact that you know the shot was looking a bit shaky, but... There's a spot that he likes out there. Similar, to, I think it's just basically the same spot as LeBron likes on that sort of left sort of elbow perimeter, um, sort of in the middle of like the corner and, and the top of the perimeter. He just loves that spot in terms of, you know, getting his three-point shot. It's just his his comfort zone, so to speak. But in terms of where D'Lo goes from here, Nicholas, um, do you feel like he needs to play 82 games next year to sort of, you know, solidify himself as, you know, a bona fide superstar? Do you see him getting a max contract with these nets? I think it's the most likely scenario is him getting a max contract. The Nets made the move for him. They want him to be great. You know, marketing-wise, they have really pushed him. You know, Sean Marks has talked about him a lot. I think they just need to constantly just make him improve, and I think he will get the max contract if he improves at the level that we expect from him. And I don't think he needs to play 82. You know, his knee's bothering him a few games. Rest him. I really don't care. Make him play 70, though. I think if you play 70 games, that's fine. The, The time where you need to play 82 games is long gone. Like, it's not a necessity, especially with the way the NBA is and analytics and resting and all these guys getting hurt. You know, rest them if necessary. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I mean, we're, in terms of today's NBA, the, the pace is as high as it's ever been. You know, the the demand on, on, on players is, is as high as it's ever been. It's astounding that LeBron's 82-game season came in, in his 15th year and in today's NBA. It's, it's insane. But in terms of D'Lo's defensive capabilities, now, we've all said... And there's been articles done to death on his, you know, defensive rating, the on-off rating when he's on defensively. Where does he specifically need to improve? Is it in terms of stealing? Is it in terms of just overall toughness, engagement? Toughness, toughness. It's 100% toughness in physicality. He's a bigger guy, like you mentioned, Jack. He has a good frame. Sometimes around screens, he's just super timid, and he doesn't want to make contact. Like, he needs to be stronger, run through screens, get some guys, get some offensive foul calls. Sometimes he, like, flops a little bit too much. Like, I get flopping, but if you don't hustle hard, the refs are never going to call that. Yeah, absolutely. And in terms of, if we're comparing it to James Harden, now, James Harden was always a sieve on defense, and he got plenty of memes and plenty of uh, plenty of viral treatment in that sense. But this season, he's gotten less of it because of, not necessarily having a huge jump there, but because of just the fact that he's been not necessarily a great one-on-one defender, but in the post, because he's got that frame and that strength, you know, guys think they can back him down and sort of take it easy because he's got that sort of reputation. But James Harden's a decent post defender. Now, one-on-one, you know, Donovan Mitchell this series has been taking him off the dribble quite easily and, you know, making life for Clint Capella a little bit more tricky. But Dilo doesn't need to be a, a great one-on-one defender because as well, at the same time, we've got a Jared Allen there. So I feel like he just needs to be engaged and tough, like you said. Yeah, I think a lot of the potential is there, and he's never going to be elite, but he can definitely put in more effort and physicality. Yeah, you know, especially when you're you look at the best offensive players and the comparisons we made. CJ McCollum, not a great defender either. You know, you don't have to be great; you just have to be 
you know, average to good and engaged. And that, that shouldn't take a lot. And I think for young players, it takes a little bit to sort of get that and within a, a new system and such. But enough D-Lo talk. Make sure if you guys hit up at OTG Basketball, follow the uh, OTG Basketball uh, on Twitter and make sure you're following us on Blog Talk Radio, uh, iTunes, Dash Radio, all that good stuff. But Infinity War, Nicholas, um, I'm sure you've been doing it to death with all your mates, but we haven't had enough Brooklyn buzz. We haven't had, talked about it enough with each other. Let's compare some Infinity War characters to some of our Brooklyn Nets brethren. Give me, give me a first one. Like, give me who's who's D-Lo? Let's let's start there. Who is D-Lo? Actually, Jack, we'll save the rest for another day. But I'll give you D'Angelo. This is a tough. I was actually thinking about this, and like the easiest one I have in my head is Spencer Dinwiddie. I'm not going to tell you who it is. D'Angelo. I'm trying to think of which Avenger is the least consistent but shows flashes of greatness. Yeah, and that's D'Angelo. And it's tough. It's really tough. Like I, and it's tough because the way they portray some characters are a little bit different than how they are. But I almost want to go with Scarlet Witch because right. her ability to just like you saw. I and if, sorry if there's any spoilers. Like it's been long enough. Deal with it. And the movie <laughs> came out last week. Uh, like <laughs> when she's there protecting Vision, and then all of a sudden she comes out in the Wakanda field and just bodies all those things like real quick, yeah. and like she has the potential to be amazing and like they don't use her enough and she can really just body everybody. She lets her emotions get the best of her sometimes and which can be the same said about D'Lo. Yeah, absolutely. I actually was going to say Spider-Man or Scarlet Witch as well. So guys, make sure you follow us on, on Blog Talk Radio. Hit us up on Twitter, at OGG Basketball. The podcast, uh, Brethren is growing. JPT is killing it. Um, Celtics Express is killing it. Uh, Players Watch is killing it. Make sure you're following all those. Give them a listen, subscribe, review. All that good stuff. Nick, as always, a pleasure. Uh, thanks again, guys. Oh, it's always a pleasure talking to one of my best Aussie mates and Jack. And like he said, check out OTG for everything. And we'll be back with more Brooklyn Buzz. Now that the first round wrapped up, you'll hear a lot more from us. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.